It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Day. It's one o'clock. We're live, and I'm super excited about the guests that we have on the show today. We're going to be talking about a lot of cool things. And if this is the first time that you happen to be dropping in here to the show, welcome. And let me give you a little little rundown of you know why we're here. You know, I'm have been fascinated by uh, what what really talented people do, and more specifically, how do these talented people manage talent, and what impact do they have on talent. Uh, inside of our work, inside of the, making ourselves a better person, whatever it may be, and conferences or in meetings or whatever, and try to pick their brain, figure out what makes them tick. And somewhere along the way, we decided, well, maybe we should actually put this on the air. Maybe I shouldn't be the only one to hear uh, some of these cool conversations and these awesome little tidbits and allow you, the listener, to not only hear it, but interact with us as, as well. So, we put all these great stories, uh, you know, that have been coming around for years. Uh, a lot of them are in my first book called The Power of Company Culture. And my first guest is actually mentioned in there as well, so which is uh, kind of cool. And if you want to check that out, you can find it wherever you buy your books online. As I mentioned, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. But most of you come in after the fact. You listen to us on iTunes or iHeartRadio or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you can get alerted. We all like to be lazy. Let the technology do the work for us. Just let it ding and let you know when an episode is ready and you can listen in. Now, if you happen to be listening live or maybe if you're listening relatively, you know, within a couple months of maybe the show airing, you might want to check out at PeopleG2 on Twitter. And there we have a live feed of this show. So all of the best one-liners, all the best quotes, maybe links to books and our, our guest profiles, they can be found there. So it's a great resource. And if you want to ask a question, you can easily find their Twitter handle and you can ask us a question, maybe argue about something that we were brought up on the show, whatever it may be, or even just another great guest for us. So we'd love to keep that going. We are doing that live right now. All right, my guest today, I'm going to welcome back to the show. I think this could be his third time on the show in our Five or six years we've been doing this. If I'm, if I can count that high, um, we're going to bring in Steve Canal. He's now the co-founder of One Venture Group, and then we're going to bring in after the uh, commercial break Suzanne Justice. She's the founder and CEO of Blake Ryan Consulting. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. And uh, she's also an. But we'll Thank you for having me, Chris. I always enjoy having a nice, light conversation with you, my friend. <laughs> Well, and we've we've been able to have a few conversations together, and I've it's been fun to do a couple other you know things with you over the years, uh, and always love your enthusiasm and your passion. And I think 
I don't know how you do it, but you always have like a really smart, tuned in, well-dressed, uh, you know, kind of, kind of crew that follows you around wherever you go. So I don't know how you do it, but, uh, <laughs> my, my wife taught me well, <laughs> that's right. Why don't you tell everyone, you know, a little bit about you, maybe a little bit of your background your history, some of the cool things that you've done and kind of set the tone here for who you are. And that way, anyone who doesn't know you can, can get a little bit caught up and then we'll kind of dive into what you're doing now. Absolutely. So, um, I started out early on working at Tommy Hilfiger, um, producing uh, events, fashion shows for Tommy Hilfiger. Uh, and from there, uh, started an agency where we, our, one of our clients was the U.S. Army. So we created one of the first national campaigns for the U.S. Army called Taking It to the Streets. So I've been to every state in the country. I've done events all over the country from North Dakota, Montana, Utah, New York, LA, I've been everywhere um, producing events and, and kind of getting those insights of, you know, how people think and feel in, in, our, in, in our country, you know, in the different states. And from there, um, you know, grew the business. And then in 2008, we had our recession. Um, but the one thing for me was I didn't have the proper systems in place to withstand that recession. So I, hadn't, I had a plan to go into corporate America and learn how to run a billion dollar business. So I went into Miller Coors. I learned how to, you know, I went into sales to start. Then I went into trade marketing to understand how to market in big box stores. Then I went into field marketing to work on the Alliance partnerships. Um, in Atlanta, we had, you know, the Falcons, the Braves and so forth, college, you know, Alliance partnerships. And from there, I went into Chicago on our corporate side um, and went into community affairs. I wanted to pull it all together to learn how to impact the bottom line by doing good. And that's when we met, you know, through Miller Lite Tap the Future and right. being able to put, you know, dollars in, into small businesses um, across the country. And in addition to dollars, insight, because we also had Damon John from Shark Tank and, you know, creator of FUBU who was on tour with us and, you know, giving all these businesses insight of how to scale their business. And then from there, after 10 years, I just needed my time back because while I was in corporate, I was still an entrepreneur. Um, we had one of the largest music festivals in the Southeast called One Music Fest. We started out at, you know, 2,500 people and then grew it to 55,000 people. Um, in addition to working with athletes and, you know, creating marketing campaigns on that side, key time management, being able to do both. I just needed to get my time back and I left corporate and now I'm full throttle um, on the entrepreneurship side. So maybe you can talk a little bit about where the entrepreneur part of it, you know, where your focus is and what you're doing. And I'm curious because, you know, there has been this huge shift, uh, I think in a very positive shift in people thinking far more about, uh, you know, especially the, the Black Lives Matter movement and really thinking about a particular subset of people, a group of people inside our society, inside the United States, where, you know, things have not, are not, I think, where we want them to be, right? And it's an understatement. I'm just trying to not go too far here, but right. I noticed in my time around you and previously that I felt like there was this a really good representation. And I don't know if that was intentional on your part, right? I mean, so there was fantastic entrepreneurs in these events. There was um, great, you know, sort of very diverse groups of people and companies, but I felt like Black community was very represented in everything you did. And I don't know if that was super intentional, if that was just uh, accidental and, and, if you can answer that and then like, how does that translate into what you're doing now? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I led with multicultural insights. So I took the data to say, all right, who within the media space, the media world, you know, and, and strategic partners can we align ourselves with to provide access to underserved communities? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you think about a Miller Lite, Coors Light and, and those brands, like general market is what they're spending millions and millions and millions of dollars on already. But sometimes through that filter, it doesn't reach certain communities. So I wanted to create a platform that can show that we can still impact the bottom line, introduce the products to a new audience, and do good at the same time. And that's what the platform was based around. And today you have organizations that companies that went through Tap the Future that are doing amazing right now because mm-hmm. they were able to get those insights on how to scale. They were able to get some funding, you know, to be able to grow their business. So that was definitely a key to the, the strategy and definitely multicultural insights is what drove the platform. Um, and when you think about today, you know, and the clients I work with, you know, more so, you know, I, I do have a general market lens when I, when I work because it's, it's, it's a digital world. Right. So with a click of a button, I can reach people in Africa. I can reach people in China. I can reach people all throughout the United States. So it's strategically just working with the brands to identify what their KPIs are. What are your key performance indicators? Who's your audience? Who are you trying to reach? Um, what's the message you're trying to, to, to bring to them and through help them achieve their goals and, and help them move along, you know, reaching their North Star. So that's what, you know, I've translated from understanding how to run a billion dollar organization and thinking three or five years out, thinking strategically how to put plans together, put briefs together to be able to work with my clients to get them results. Well, and I really think that if anyone is thinking about how they can do something that will, you know, help a particular group or help a business or, or, or make sure your message is, is getting to every part of the, of the community, right? right. From business, which you think every business would want to do anyways, um, I, I really think the work you have done is a North Star, right? I mean, I, I think about that in reflection, all the events and crap that I've ever been involved in, and there was very, very few where I felt like there was an intentional, like, we're trying to get to the entire community here. And I definitely, the events that, you know, I was involved in with you, that always felt that way. And it, did, it wasn't until later when we started thinking this way this year, when all it really got pressed and we mm-hmm. all had to take a deep breath and say, Am I doing enough? Am I being, you know, an ally? Am I being I opening up my mouth when I should be opening my mouth to make things better? And, you know, I was thinking about all the things that I've done and what should I cut and what should I do more of? And so I, I just thought I'd give you that feedback. I was yeah. really appreciate it. You know. No, and, and I agree. You, you have to be very intentional. You know, you have to be intentional to say, all right, I, I want to reach everybody because there are different media platforms, there are different outlets, there are different filters. And just to think that just because I do a national campaign that's going to reach everybody doesn't necessarily mean that because everybody doesn't watch the same channels, everybody doesn't watch the same networks, you know, listen to the same stations, you know, so you have to strategically put a plan together to understand who my strategic partners are for me to be able to reach different demographics, you know, um, and you have to have diversity of thought to be able to, to make that a reality. You have to have a diverse room, a diverse table to think about that because, you know, I don't blame everybody. You know what you know, right? Mm-hmm. The reasons why you might not have reached out to a certain demographics because you don't know. <laughs> you know what you know. You grew up, 
you know, in a certain space or lane and, and that's what you were taught. So that's what you know. So that's why it's important to have diversity of thought because we can share ideas, share concepts. And now your bottom line is, is being impacted because, you know, you, you're now introduced to a new audience that might just because you're a big brand doesn't necessarily mean that everybody vibes with you or your messaging aligned with them. Right? right. And that's where diversity of thought comes in play to be able to grow and scale your business truly. And I, I really am so happy you brought up that term diversity of thought because it's come up quite a bit on this program. And I've talked about it before that that's the goal, right? When we talk about diversity, a lot of people can easily run down these rabbit holes and get afraid and think we're talking about quotas or you got to hire this many of this person and this right. many of that person. <laughs> and that's just not sustainable. It's not, doesn't work, right? It's, it's a, we can throw this to the poli sci podcast later on. I mean, they can go down deep into this, this rabbit hole, but I mean, the very simple level, it's diversity of thought. It's getting people who think differently, who can use opinions because that creates innovation that fosters Absolutely. awesome new ideas. And that's, and that's what we want. That's a benefit to the business. I think when we articulate it in a way that's beneficial to the business, to the CEO, to the, the leadership team, then they're going to get on board with it. You know, and and so it really is diversity of thought. And you can look at all these old businesses that didn't survive there that are barely hanging. I mean, Blockbuster had lack of diversity of thought. I mean, they were just yeah. really struggled. And that's why they had a bunch of people who looked the same, thought the same, all went to the same school. The business. Like, I, yeah. I never went into a CEO's office and said, you have to do this just because you have to, because I feel like you have to. Right. Like, that'll get shot down 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. Right. But when you actually present it and package it and show how it's going to impact the business and how it's actually going to make it a better organization and company, CEO's leadership is more likely to take a chance on that because you've proven or presented a case that actually makes sense, opposed to trying to force a hand for them to feel as if I, I just have to do this. No, you, it's a business at the end of the day that's here to make profit. So right. you have to show how it's going to help the bottom line as well. So where are you spending most of your time uh, day by day in, in helping clients? What sort of things are you focusing on? Yeah, for climate uh, and, and understanding that there's a new norm, you know, from a virtual space and world, a lot of organizations, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, a lot of people within organizations don't know how to use Zoom. They don't know how to use Asana. They don't know how to use Monday.com. They don't know how to use Rike and all these platforms. So it's, it's educating and teaching these organizations how to leverage these platforms and understanding what their uh, new goals are to be able to create strategies to achieve those goals. From a virtual standpoint, you know, one venture group, we're an innovative engine, you know, so when you think about, you know, products, you know, events, strategy, content, and IP, like that's our world. So whether it's, you know, putting, you know, social science into a space to listen to your audience and understand what they're thinking and how to create strategy for that audience. We're here to, to, to support that, right? If it's, you know, wanting and to learn how to put a, a virtual conference together, like we've been doing that for years now, it's just a part of the new norm now. So it's, you know, it makes sense. And I, I'm happy that we were, you know, a little bit ahead of it. So it's just aligning our clients to be in a position to be successful and what is the new norm? You know, I, and I was thinking too, as we were getting ready for this uh, uh, interview, 
that you're, you're surrounded by some pretty, uh, and have been, you know, some pretty impactful leaders. And I think not only in the business world, but your wife's also uh, in the WNBA, right? So you have the, you also have the sports leadership realm, which is, I think, always impacts business in such a specific way. So, you know, how does, how does that play into what you're doing? And is that a part of your, your thought process or the conversation as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and my wife's now, she's, you know, vice president of uh, player development um, for the New Orleans Pelicans. So she's, you know, an executive for the NBA team here in New Orleans, and she's doing amazing. But it's definitely, you have to have the right people in your corner. You know, I call them your advisory board. You know, I have people who are doctors, lawyers, in finance, I have people with, you know, who are entrepreneurs, who are like-minded, people who are in corporate, uh, to be able to bounce ideas and just talk about the landscape, the innovation, what's new, what can you leverage, you know, that can help us, you know, develop or create a platform that can assist, you know, a business. So it's, it's surrounding your, yourself with the right people. And I've been very fortunate to be surrounded with the right people throughout my trajectory. Um, and that's why, you know, within my first book, which is also Amazon bestseller, The Mind of a Winner. I have Damon John in the book. I have Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank in the book. My wife, Swing Cash, two-time Olympic gold medalist. Kenny Smith from Inside the NBA on TNT. And just allowing you to be a fly on the wall to understand not only how to achieve success, but sustain it over time. And a, a, a big consistent piece to it is it's 99.9% impossible to do it alone. You have to have the right people in your corner. You have to have the right circles. And it also leads to a word that for me, it, it's a matter of life or death when you think of access. Access is what will take you where you need to be. Access is what will, you know, when, in Damon John's case, when he discovered he had, you know, cancer in his throat, it was access. It was a doctor who he just met who asked him, and think about all his years, nobody's ever brought this up. Have you ever had an executive, you know, exam, you know, which just checks everything. You're executive, you're a leader, you should have one of these exams. And that's how he found out he had, you know, cancer in his throat, you know, and was able to catch it early. Access, having the right people in your corner who are doing amazing things that see that light in you, that magic in you, that want to assist, want to help, want to share information with you. Yeah, that's huge. It's, it's definitely huge. Well, I, I mean, being around so many leaders and you're, like you said, in your trajectory, is there something that you see that they do or lessons that you've learned about how they continue to develop themselves? Because I noticed that top leaders, they don't just get to the top of the mountain and then, you know, <laughs> no. put out their folding chair, right? They're always climbing. There's always that, that, that next peak they can get to. So what are some of the things you've seen? Yeah, one of them that we just talked about is having the right people around you. Um, number two is discipline. You have to be very disciplined, especially now. Think about how, how much more disciplined you need to be to actually be able to do work at home every day. You know, it's not easy. So you need to be disciplined. Um, and number three, what I mentioned earlier is a lot of them have systems in place. Mm. You know, they have systems in place, whether it's writing down your goals for the day and making sure you're checking it off or crossing it out. So you're actually staying focused on what you need to accomplish whether it's creating platforms to speak with your team on a day-to-day, -day, like leveraging Slack to be able to communicate, whether it's working with, you know, your, your clients or your, your partners and leveraging like an Asana to make sure that, you know, everything's tracking and everybody's staying true to what they say they're going to do um, and holding people accountable. But the number one thing on top of it is, is taking a look in the mirror and being real with yourself. 
understanding what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and working every day to help bring those weaknesses to become strengths. But you have to be real with yourself. You know, if you're a pretender and acting as if you know this or that, like it's only going to last for so long. So by being real with yourself and understanding what your strengths are, you can double down on that to continue to, you know, again, move towards your North Star and work on things that you love every day and passionate about, because, you know, that's a key. Anybody that I've, that's super uber successful in what they're trying to achieve in life today, all of them said that they're doing things that they're passionate about and love. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of miserable people, a lot of rich, miserable people, you know, (laughs) you got to find the things that you're passionate about and love to be able to wake up every day and have a smile on your face and, Regardless of however many meetings you have, phone calls you have to make, you know that it's taking you one step closer in something that you love. Yeah, and you you brought up so many different things there, but I would say overall, what we're talking about here is having a great culture. And whether you're yeah. measuring things correctly, you're using the right tools and technology, right? You're setting key goals that everyone has transparency, you know what they're working on. I mean, this is all stuff that goes into a great culture. And I have for years said that remote work, in my opinion, is better than traditional work for most jobs. Not all. There are jobs that got to make a car in the assembly plant. You you got to make wine in the vineyard. But, you know, there are other jobs that I think it's better remote. But my little asterisk, my caveat is if your culture is good, because if your culture sucks, remote work makes it harder. It makes it you're just you just plummet and die if there's no transparency, there's no goals, there's no systems, right? There's no measurement. Um, So it's like, I don't know, it's like handing someone, uh, you know, a really awesome, I don't know, motorcycle or something. If they've never ridden a motorcycle, then it doesn't do them any good to have the best of something. And But remote work requires the best of culture. So at your point, I think we're seeing that now with people learning just how to do it, how to uh, and I, right before we got on here, we were talking about how busy I've been just trying to help people with the little stuff, let alone the big things that are, yeah. that are so, so important. I, and I think trust is a key factor in that as well, mm. because a lot of people, when you go to the office, because people feel more comfortable because they can see you, they can see right. the work being done, where now they're forcing your hand and you have to trust your team that they're going to do the work and they, you're starting to see through numbers that people are more efficient. People are getting better results by being home because they're now right. getting the flow of things. They understand the systems. They understand how to manage their time. They understand how to manage their family and they're seeing their family a lot more and it's less wear and tear from traveling all the time and unnecessary meetings to just book another meeting, you know? So right. this is and, definitely. And, and those managers are now having to, measure and, and, and trust based on concrete things versus that person looks busy because they're walking around. I see them in a lot of meetings or they're dressed nicely or yeah. like <laughs> I, I see papers on their desk, but those aren't, those aren't real productivity outputs, but there right. are leaders that that's what they use, whether it's, it's just sort of subconscious, right? So, yeah, well, uh, we're almost out of time here. I want to make sure that we ask you uh, two really important questions real quick before we run out. First one is, is there a book that you're reading right now or one that you've been suggesting people check out this year? Yeah, absolutely. If you're an entrepreneur, there's two. So if you're an entrepreneur, I highly suggest that you read a book called Traction. 
And if you need a shorter version of it, you can read EOS, which is the Entrepreneur's Operating System by Gino Wickman. It's very, very key and and on point. Another one is Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Networking is so important. So you can tap into that book, Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. That's fantastic. And finally, how can people find out more about you, your company, if they want to work with you, whatever, uh, how do they do that? Absolutely. Um, so our company website uh, is theoneventuregroup.com, the theoneventuregroup.com. And you can find me on all social media platforms, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, at Steve Canal, S-T-E-V-E-C-A-N-A-L. I'm more active on Instagram. So you can send me a DM, you can send me a message. I'm very responsive there. Fantastic. Thanks again so much for being back on the show, sir. And uh, hopefully we'll have you come back at some point with, you always have cool things to talk about. So we'd love to have you come back, you know, in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and much success. And I appreciate all that you're doing. All right. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break and we'll bring in my next guest, Suzanne Justice. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly through our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. In case you missed my first guest, it was so great to catch up with Steve Canal and seeing what he's up to now. Uh, you can check out that interview when it goes up. Well, this, both of these will be up on iTunes, iHeart. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, all the different platforms um, here. And I'll you check that out here as soon as it's up the next couple of weeks. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. So that way, subscribe to the show. Look up Town Talk and my name, Chris Dyer. Make sure to get alerted anytime it comes up. You can also go to TalentTalkRadio.com and you can learn more there. Listen to past episodes and subscribe as well. All right. I'm going to bring in my next guest, Suzanne Justice. She's the founder and CEO of Blake. I hope it's Blake Ryan or Rian. We'll find out in a second. Consulting. Uh, and she's also an Amazon bestseller. We have two Amazon bestsellers here in a row. Uh, don't forget to follow at PeopleG2 right now and use that hashtag talent talk. We are t- uh, tweeting live all the best quotes and links to different things that are brought up on the show. But Suzanne, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So tell us, how are you today? Maybe you can kind of give us a little bit of you know, background on who you are and, and what you do in your work. Absolutely. So I'm doing well. Thanks for all. So I, my company is Blake Ryan Consulting, and we are a full service staffing and recruiting about 14 years ago. And I ran a lot of the very large uh, corporate companies, um, very high performing sales and recruiting teams. And I decided a couple of years ago that 
I didn't like where corporate was heading and I wanted to start my own business. So I did. <laughs> well, that's uh, often how some of us do it. You know, you, <laughs> you get, you get tired of the big world. You go do your own thing, or maybe you see a, a solution that no one's thought of yet, or, you know, it always seems to be something that's kind of entrepreneurs. that finally gets us to, to go after that. So I agree. Uh, you, you know, staffing is a really interesting space and it's one that, we do a lot of work in that's kind of a, our, our biggest niche inside of my uh, business for people G2. And, you know, I, I, I ask this question a lot of my staffing clients and I get the craziest answers sometimes. So how did you end up in staffing? You know, I really honestly fell into it. <laughs> when yeah. I was in my early twenties, I uh, moved to San Diego and wanted to kind of get on my own, if you will, kind of that, that story, pack the car, just drove down there. Um, and when I came back, I had a real estate license already. And so I decided to get a part-time job at a staffing company as a receptionist. And while I was, you know, closing real estate deals and whatnot, and two weeks in their hygiene recruiter left and I'd been watching and I was interested in it. And I went to the owner and said, about it and see where it goes. And she gave me, I loved it. And, um, you know, I tell people that I hire, you know, right away, if you love it or hate it, it's a tough business. It's, you're dealing with the variable you can't control, which is people. And so I was really fortunate that it's something I'm passionate about and really good at. That's great. And we lost a little bit of that answer. I don't get a little internet issue there, a little blimp, but I think we're okay now. Yeah, I think we're okay. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, you you fell into it and then got an opportunity early, which and took advantage and loved it. And I think that's the the general wrap up. (laughs) Yeah. Which is great. You know, and and I uh, we often complain there were so many other background check companies in the industry. With you know, it's hard to to really stand out and differentiate yourself. And then and then I met staffing people, and I'm like, wow, you guys have it harder than I do. Right? There's so many staffing. <laughs> uh, so I'll stop complaining now. So how do you guys differentiate yourself and what you're doing? You know, the way that we really differentiate ourselves is by our client relationships. And that's what really prompted me to start my business. Um, I really noticed in the companies I've been working for throughout my career, it stopped being about long-term partnerships and relationships and just about the bottom line dollar and how much you can make. And I decided that's not how I want to do business. Um, And so I literally in my living room, I I decided when I'm going to do this, I named it Blake Ryan, which is my daughter's name. And I really focus on client relationships that I've continued to build in the last 10 years. In fact, my first three clients were clients that I had not worked with in about six years, but I just always kept that great relationship with them. And they were the first three to sign our contracts. And so anytime you see verbiage that I put out, whether it's, you know, in articles or we're talking about clients, it's always partner. We really, really want to be our client's partner and understand their business and help them long-term and not just be that one agency they call when they were in a bind. Right, right. And that's so important. And if you can grow your business that way, I mean, you can keep clients by having the correct, you know, relationships and you know, I think for some of us, it, people would probably say, well, you know, once I get a client, once they understand the relationship, I, I can keep them and make them happy and they're happy to find us. But, you know, still, it's, it's, it's sometimes hard, though, to, to be found, right, as that first step. Um, are there things that you guys do to try to be make sure that you're found beyond, you know, or is it just maybe it's word of mouth, maybe it's finding clients through referrals and things like that? You know, we do a little bit of all of it. So essentially, we have had um, a lot of referrals from clients that we've currently worked with or have worked with in the past. I do think I'm a big proponent of 
client testimonials. So sometimes when I do reach out in that cold call attempt to a potential new client or someone I'd like to partner with, I will send them one of our client uh, testimonials so they can get an idea of what our clients say about us. And on the candidate side as well, we do that. Um, and then, but I mean, we do honestly, the old fashioned, just reaching out to people, trying to introduce ourselves, build that relationship. Um, a lot of it's social media now, obviously that's kind of where everything trends to versus picking up the phone um, and Zoom meetings, obviously, since we can't do in person anymore. <laughs> but we try to really reach out and branch out as much as we can in all facets. Right, right. Well, and that that certainly is a great strategy, and um, you know, sort of take it from the from the front end of the business, maybe go to the back end of the business. You know, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, how what does it look like from a day to day standpoint, from you know, really keeping your team engaged. What sort of things are you doing right now to make sure your talent is on point, that they're engaged, that they're you know, handling all the stress that twenty twenty has been giving us, and and still able to succeed. You know, I think for me, a lot of it is is trying to do temperature checks with my team. I think that, you know, I, I'm only human. I get extremely inundated as well. So there are weeks where I am, I strive at this and there are weeks where I really drop the ball. But I think also being able to, you know, acknowledge that with your team and let them know, hey, I understand that, you know, I missed a call or I understand I had to push something and you are important to me. And just really letting them know that they're valued. I try to always tell my team how valuable they are. I try to celebrate all the little wins, whether it's somebody gets an interview, whether it's somebody, um, they finally get a hold of a candidate they've been chasing forever for this great position. Um, So I think really it's just about trying to continue that relationship with your team and help them understand the value behind them, the value behind what you're trying to do as a company and letting them know that you want them to see a long-term growth projection with you. But again, like I said, there are days where I'm not good at that too. So I'm still trying every day to, to be a better leader. <laughs> right, right. Oh, well, none of us are perfect. And I think it's that, it's that process of just trying to get better or trying to, you know, we've talked about on the show many times is the idea of the aggregation of marginal gains, right? Like how do you get 1% better? How do you get a little bit better every day or whatever that, Time frame as you're looking at without getting worse, not sacrificing something else, um, right? You know, and that's that's always the balancing act. So, um, or reprioritizing, whatever it may be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so we looked at the front of the business, the back of the business, but then you also have experience with, you know, uh, candidates and and being in staffing and being in the world that you're in. There's a lot of people looking for work right now. They might be changing industries, changing jobs, being open to new things because uh, maybe what they were before is dried up or is not really active right now. What advice do you have for candidates that are looking to get back to work? You know, I I think that right now it's it's such a tough time for the candidate pool. And I, it, I just cringe every time I see on LinkedIn where candidates are talking about they're applying or nobody's responding or they can't hear from anybody. And, you know, I definitely understand how frustrating that is for candidates. And I know a lot of the the time too, on the other side, recruiters are so inundated or they're so short staffed at this point that it can be a little deflating in, as far as your, your job search. But I would say right now, I mean, the best thing that you can do is really just try to stay positive, reach out to as many people as you can it's really great to work with companies like mine because we have the ability to talk to a client and actually tell them your story, which is what we really try to do is, you know, really explain to them the whole person versus just seeing a resume or a cover letter. So we can tell them, you know, even though this person didn't have the specific job title you're looking for, here are their transferable skills. 
here's why we think that they would actually jump into this and be a really great fit for this position. Um, here, you know, we can tell the story on why maybe there are gaps in em employment where sometimes, you know, you have sourcers or you have recruiters who are just weeding through these resumes and they just kind of push it aside if they don't think it's a good fit from just seeing, you know, keywords that they're looking for on their resume or key titles. And so we really try to let them know that, you know, stay positive, try to be as you know, professional as you can, even when you get frustrated because companies do look on LinkedIn and they see things that people post. Um, and then, you know, try to work with and partner with a, a company like ours who can really help tell your story and get you in front of those key decision makers that you may not get in front of if you're just applying to a job board. Right. And, and that's, that's really, really key. I think people do forget what people may see, what people may do. Um, do you think that there's a certain amount of like, I've, I've been noticing some of friends that I have and, and, and people out there that are asking for help maybe aren't quite understanding some of the challenges they're up against with the artificial intelligence movement, right? With how resumes are going. So mm -hmm. do you think that people really need to educate themselves and maybe take on a particular tact? Do they need to be keyword shoving into resumes and making specific resumes for every single job? And, you know, what, what level does that play into to what they need to do? You know, honestly, I, I tell all the candidates that, that we work with, we say, hey, we do that. We say, you know, take your resume, take the job description, and you want to try to pull some of the keywords out of that job description, put them in your resume. Obviously, you never want to put anything in your resume that's not true. But yeah, especially if you're just using these job boards, that's really what these programs are doing. They're looking for specific job titles or um, specific keywords within your description, and then they're pulling and matching those and sending those on to hiring managers. So it's, it kind of is like a black hole when people you know, submit the resume and they never hear anything. Could be simply just because that did not pull what, what it was looking for or the algorithm wasn't matching up with what was on your resume. Um, so I definitely, you know, I understand completely how, how tedious and time consuming it is because I help candidates rewrite resumes all the time too, and so does my team. But it's definitely beneficial to do it per position you're applying to. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I, I, it almost seems like you need to slow down, right? It's, it's really easy mm -hmm. to want to go and apply to 500 places and hope one writes you back. But if you slow down and maybe say, well, if I apply to 15 and I really look at, make sure I'm a good fit, really make sure my resume matches what they're looking for. Again, like you said, as long as we're telling the truth, that they may get much farther than they do just sort of spraying out to everybody, right? Yeah, I agree. And you know, one thing I, I think... We've kind of, with everything going on in technology, I think sometimes, especially in this industry, we lose that personal touch. And I, you know, I have candidates and I always, you know, suggest to candidates after you do an interview, send a thank you email, send, you know, reach out on LinkedIn and send them a message saying thank you. It never hurts also to, if you're, you're applying for positions online and you're looking at the posting and it says who the recruiter is, send them a personalized note as well saying, hey, you know, I'm super interested in this position, just so you know, I'm, a, I'm putting my application in. Um, those are the little things too that'll stand out because if you think about it, depending on the role that you're applying for, think about how many probably hundreds of other candidates are also going to apply online for that position. So what can you do to make yourself stand out a little bit more than the other candidates applying? Right, right. And that's and that seems seems like uh, I wouldn't say simple. It seems obvious, but then it's hard to do. And I think that's why maybe they mm -hmm. need to to take advantage of someone, uh, a service like yours, right? Where they can get that kind of help. And again, I think slow down and maybe 
quality over quantity because it is, it's not easy to do. And it's, it, it's hard when you're in that situation and you, you need a job and there's a gazillion different listings. And no one, if you're sending that stuff out, no one's hearing you. No one's, are you getting through to the hiring manager or not? So it's, it can be, it can be challenging. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's tough too for poor candidates because you never want to settle for a position that you're not going to be happy in. You want to find the right fit. So I right. think too, when people get a little too nervous, they'll jump into something that maybe isn't what they're looking for just to get something because they've been going through the process for so long. Um, so I definitely think, you know, quality over quantity, slow down and try to find something that's going to match up for you long-term. Yeah. What advice do you have then for companies that are, you know, so we've talked about what you're doing in the front end, the back end for the candidate. And now what about companies? What should they be thinking about doing, you know, as they're hiring and bringing in good talent right now? So I think for right now, I think one of the the biggest misconceptions we get sometimes in, in an open candidate market like this is that there are just a ton of candidates to choose from. Um, and when you're dealing with the um, higher level rules or more specialized positions, that's not always the case. Um, so definitely even for clients, hiring us, of course, would be super beneficial for you. But <laughs> You know, you definitely want to make sure that you're looking for the right candidates as well. I always tell my clients, if you can interview somebody and you find a candidate and you're getting seven or eight out of 10 of your must-haves, I mean, you're scoring with that candidate. So, um, but they also really have to make sure that they're setting people up for a career growth path. At this point, the, the biggest thing that we hear from candidates that made them want to look other places or... Um, they're why they're unhappy in their current roles is they don't feel valued and they don't feel like they have a growth projection or their voice is heard. So those are the, the top three things that I always tell clients that you need to make sure you're are really important and on your must have lists for them is that you're going to let them know, you know, what their growth path is with you, how valuable they're going to be to your corporation, and then how you can also make sure that their voices are heard and you're understanding if maybe they have great ideas or they want to bring other options to the table, just really making them feel included. And, you know, I had a, a conversation with a client the other day about an ad, an executive assistant position. You, I mean, you would probably think that's super easy to find, right? It's an admin, but you'd be surprised. She said, yeah, I've gone through hundreds of resumes. None of them are executive assistants. And I said, exactly. And that's why you hire hire uh, companies like mine because we can take all of that off your plate. It's so time consuming, handle all that for you, but then we're also able to tell you the candidate story. So we can also find you a great candidate that maybe you don't even know would be a good fit for you. And we can explain that to you and you can make a great hire. Well, it's certainly, uh, hopefully, so the advice I guess too to companies is they also need to slow down and, and focus on the quality. And they yeah. also need to think about who they're partnering with and what they're doing. Cause you can't, you, you just can't sift through that kind of quantity. You can't deal with that kind of stuff. And you're right. I, I, we've had job openings. I was in the last year to two years. It has been amazing to me how many resumes I've, I've we've received that had nothing to do with the job that weren't in any way. It was just junk. It was just, you know, complete clutter in my way. There are people that apply that think they're qualified. That's different that aren't just aren't quite there, but I meant, you know, I'm hiring for a VP of sales or something. And then I, I'm getting people who are, you know, their, their expertise was in, in being a customer service agent or something. And it's like, it just right. close. And so you right. know, why is this coming to me? Yeah. And that's where we like to, you know, that's part of our process of alleviating that for you. 
um, and of corporations like yours, because we weed all that out. And so by the time you're looking at a candidate from us, we've already, you know, pre-screened them. We're doing references. We're making sure that overall they're a great fit for the position. And we also really dig into, you know, what the team culture is like, what are the soft skills that our candidates or our clients are looking for? Um, you know, we look into what companies would you love to see candidates pulled from <laughs> kind of a thing as well, just to really alleviate that because people don't realize how time consuming it is to sit down and go through resumes and then call to set up interviews and then do phone screen, you know, and it just, it's, I mean, you could spend hours and then your productivity goes down because the person doing it actually has another job to do. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, and they either they either fail at uh, finding the person, or they end up failing at their normal job. So, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it can be a real problem. That's for sure. Well, um, I want to make sure that we ask you some of our favorite questions here today. And the first one is: Is there a book that you're reading right now, or one that you've been, you know, maybe suggesting people check out this year? You know, I was actually um, I joined a, a corporate book club for the first time. And we were actually reading The Ride of a Lifetime by Robert Iger. He, it's, it's a really interesting book. He is the CEO, or it's basically around the lessons he's learned um, from 15 years as a CEO of Walt, the Walt Disney Company. And so it was really interesting just to hear, I'm still halfway through it, but um, interesting to hear, you know, his take on being a CEO and managing such a huge corporation from a corporate side, but also a human side. Um, so that's what I, I'm into at the moment. <laughs> so out of all the things that you've mentioned to us today, if somebody was not paying attention for 95% of it and they only heard one thing, what's that <laughs> thing that you're hoping that they would take with them that they would have heard you say or remembered? I would say reach out to us so that we can help you find the right fit for your team and also as a candidate so we can really take the time to help you get your resume honed and help find the right fit for you as well. Well, if they're going to take that advice, then they're going to need to know how to get a hold of you. So what's the best way for them to do that? So we are on all social media. So Twitter is at Blake Ryan and Ryan is spelled R-I-A-N. LinkedIn is Blake Ryan Consulting. Uh, Instagram's at Blake Ryan Consulting. And then, of course, you can reach out to us on our website, which is uh, com. And you can always email us directly at info at blakeryanconsulting.com. Well, Suzanne, it was a real pleasure having you on the show. I really appreciate you being here and sharing all your knowledge with the, with the audience. Hopefully we can have you come back at some point in the future and give us an update on all the cool stuff that you're doing. I love that. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks everyone for listening today to the show. And hopefully you've gained something that you can use your in your own career in a positive way. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so that you can hear about future episodes. And until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio brought to you by People G2. 